0: Listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network.
1: Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions.
0: Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz.
1: And featuring Keaton DeRosier.
0: Welcome back to the Red Sea Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and joining me for episode 230 of the show is my co-host, Keaton DeRocher of Over the Monster and the Dynasty Guru. Keaton, what's going on, my friend?
1: Not much, just uh, enjoying some low-sugar gummy butterflies, prepping to talk about the defense on this pod, and sure, it's not going to be a pleasant conversation, but I'm ready.
0: <laughs> yeah, so um, that's the title uh, or the the topic for today's podcast. We're going to be talking all about the Red Sox defense, um, you know, because over the last few months uh, and especially over the last couple of weeks, we've seen some pretty sloppy defensive play and, um, you know, it's it's not necessarily like... It's not necessarily the only hallmark of the times when the Red Sox play bad, but I think that it's one of the things that is most noticeable when this team does play poorly. And we got a bunch of listener questions about it as well. Um, You know, just... Like, like looking down at our listener questions uh, before we even get started with the podcast, and you know we don't look at these questions before we make the agenda. So um, this kind of just tracks with what we're seeing, though. But we got a question from Mark Anderson: What can be done about the defense? We got a question from Justin Wolf: uh, Ideal lineup going forward? Has Verdugo as the fourth outfielder talk me out of it? Schwarber in left, Bobby at first, JD at DH. Um, you know, lots of different things just focusing on the defense cause it's been so bad lately. So what we are going to do is we are going to deep dive into each position, uh, on the team defensively. I've looked at two metrics here, um, that I've gotten stats on outs above average, uh, which uses stat cast data, um, to determine how good a defensive player and team is. And then we also used, Uh, Fangraph's DEF, um, which measures a whole bunch of stuff. Um, But, you know, among the things that that measures, uh, it takes into account UZR, the arm, uh, errors, um, you know, all sorts of defensive runs saved, um, all sorts of stuff. And it kind of combines it into an all-encompassing defensive statistic Uh, that also takes into account the position that the uh, player is playing. So, you know, definitely uh, we're going to be looking at both of those things, and sometimes they tell different tales. So we'll be looking into that. But first, Keaton, before we get into the deep dive on the defense, I wanted to just uh, hit on the roster because some of the the roster changes lately have been pretty interesting. Um, Particularly, Jose Iglesias is back with the Red Sox. That's pretty crazy, huh?
1: Yeah, not one that I would have thought, but obviously, given uh, all the folks out for COVID and lack of middle infielders, uh seems like a, a nice fit to slip right back in there. Obviously, uh, big help on the defensive side, not so much on the offensive side, but we'll see if, uh, as guys come back, he stays.
0: Yeah, and I didn't think I'd see so much uh, Taylor Motter, a-, a person I didn't even know existed uh, before last week. <laughs> That was kind of yeah. shocking.
1: Yeah, but, there's, uh, you know, dire times.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so, you know, Modder designated for assignment. We got a fun question about him as well. Um, Cordero was just option. Kike has made his way back to the lineup. Uh, Danny Santana has as well. So the lineup is starting to normalize a little bit more. Um, getting Kike back definitely helps that situation. Uh, Renfro back. Um, from the bereavement list, last time we spoke, um, you know he had been gone. So Iglesias is at shortstop, filling in for Xander Bogarts. Um, you know, bench looks pretty normal at this point: Pujols, Shaw, Ariuz, uh, Danny Santana. Um, but it's really on the pitching side of things that COVID is still, uh, you know, racking um, with with issues here. Um, Xander and Arroyo and Jaron Duran are the defensive guys uh, that are still on the IL, but um, Matt Barnes, Bizardo or not Bizardo, I should say, um, Martin Perez, Hirokazu Samora and Nick Pavetta uh, are the guys who are, you know, still hitting up the COVID list. Uh, any thoughts on the roster here? Um, you know, as we're kind of looking towards, hopefully getting some of these guys back soon
1: yeah only that the last two save opportunities have gone to garrett whitlock as the revolving door at closer continues um do you think they'll find stability of course i say that as he just blew a save the other day um with that role or do you think when barnes comes back it's uh, he's gonna get the shot again
0: I think when Barnes comes back, he gets the shot again, because I think they like Whitlock and Ottavino to kind of float uh, and and be available in all sorts of different situations. And I think the bullpen functions best with with a good Matt Barnes at the end of it. So I hope that Barnes finds his way back into that role and uh, in a way that, you know, actually works.
1: So you believe with the time off that uh, it'll be enough time for him to kind of Clear his head and come back at
0: it. Yeah, I don't think he's as bad as he showed. Uh, I, well, I hope he's not as bad as <laughs> yeah, he showed. I was say,
1: because <laughs> it was pretty bad.
0: Yeah, I, we, we, have, we have a lot more evidence of Matt Barnes being an effective pitcher than we do of him being that bad. Like, even when Barnes has been bad in the past, he's not been that bad. So, I, yeah. I, I got to think that there are better times to come. But hopefully, you know, that can... That can kick into gear here soon with, you know, uh, one more game against Tampa Bay Rays as you're listening to this on Wednesday, off day Thursday, and then uh, at Chicago White Sox at Seattle. Those are both tough series coming up, and Red Sox really are in that type of position where they need to win a lot of games down the stretch.
1: Yeah. Can't be giving them away. No. No. (laughs)
0: Um, But... You know, I have been impressed that the Red Sox have been able to claw their way back uh, into, I guess we can call it contention. I mean, they're they're certainly not contending for the division at this point, nine games back, but only a half game back. The Yankees, uh, who who has that first wild card spot, um, and you know, still a handful of games clear of of you know teams like Seattle and uh, the Blue Jays and, and Oakland, so. Uh, you know, despite one of the uglier months of baseball uh, in August, I mean, the team is still kind of right there.
1: Yeah, after that hot streak that the Yankees went on, now they've lost like five in a row. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, so that'll, that'll get you back into it. Yeah. Now you should yeah. to take advantage. <laughs> it's been yeah. half a game back for uh, two games that haven't gone their way, and Probably should have.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. So let's get right into it, Keaton. Let's go down to the defensive side of things. Um, Catcher. Let's start there. Uh, Behind the plate, Christian Vasquez and Kevin Ploiecki have been doing the vast majority of the catching this year. Uh, Christian Vasquez was just named uh, the best defensive catcher in baseball by Baseball America, which I guess pulled a bunch of executives um, but the stats don't really bear that out he's uh, worth he's been worth this year 5.3 uh, def by fan graphs which is good for 16th out of 20 catchers uh, with at least 600 innings behind the plate um, and that's a huge dip off from where he was. He was in the teens in that rating, uh, and even as high as 20 uh, DEF um, between 2017 and 2019. Uh, so he does appear to be going downhill. My question for you, Keaton, is have you noticed a slip in his defense over this year?
1: Um, No, Um, but I, I have noticed a slip elsewhere, like... Just and it kind of plays into a larger theme. So you kind of you hit off the top that when things are going poorly for the Red Sox, it's not just the defense; it's other things. It kind of feels like just mental mistakes in general, with base running errors, forgetting outs, poor defense, uh, just god awful approaches at the plate, trying to force things with runners in scoring position. <clears throat> All of those things are kind of just like wrapped up into just mental mistakes. Uh, And there's been a few that have stuck out from Vasquez, like forgetting outs and poor base running that are things that just can't happen for a guy uh, who's just been around the game as long as him. Uh, However, he is 31, just turned 31 a little bit ago. um, And this is kind of generally the point where everyday catchers start declining um, if they haven't already. So I don't think it's, um, you know, out of character for where he's at in his career, but I haven't really like noticed it watching the games. He still seems um, like he's on the sharper side of the, the defensive metrics than these kind of yield out. But um, I think he was probably like top five, top three defensively in that 2017, 2019 range. So I guess I wouldn't necessarily expect him to be there now, but um, there's, there's still a lot worse options that you could go, go with there over Vasquez, so I'm happy with what generally, overall, what he's given us this year.
0: Yeah, I think it's fine as long as he's hitting, but the thing is that he hasn't really been hitting this year, um, which has made it harder to swallow, and if you look at the stats, I mean, he has gone downhill this year versus other years in terms of just the the rate of... Uh, You know, his defensive run saved and even his arm is ticked down a little bit. Um, I have noticed it in plays at the plate, you know, his ability to control the running game and tag runners and things like that, I think has gotten a little bit worse. Um, I haven't noticed anything in terms of like how he's calling the games or, or anything like that. I think he still does a good job handling the staff, but I think it brings up an interesting question. If you have a catcher, who is 31, who is declining defensively and, you know, defense is supposed to be his hallmark. Do you pick up that $7 million option in 2022?
1: I think it depends on how confident you feel in Connor Wong, right?
0: Yeah. Well, how Um, confident do you feel in Connor Wong?
1: I feel confident enough.
0: Would you pick up the option if it was you?
1: Ooh, in a vacuum... You know, prior to this season, I would have said in a heartbeat. Yep. But there are just such clear signs of decline now. Um, And Connor Wong has looked fine in the the stints that he's gotten this year. I think another thing that went into that is they never really had another option for a while. Right. Um, And now they have Wong, who's a viable option, in Major League Ready. I don't think I do. Wacky. I don't think I do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I do either because I think there are enough veteran options that you can find on the market. Uh, One of the guys that I like who's going to be available is a guy in Jan Gomes who is making roughly a little bit more than half, I guess, uh, what Christian would make uh, next year. He's making $4 million this year. Uh, He's going to be a free agent. There are a few other guys like that that I think you know, can handle a staff pretty well. Um, obviously, you have to form that rapport uh, with the pitchers who are going to be there, but I'm not super worried about that. I, I think you can get somebody who approximates his value for less than $7 million, and maybe what, what that ends up being is Christian Vasquez for less than $7 bucks. Maybe you decline the option and then, you know, renegotiate with him at, at a lower, lower rate.
1: Yeah, you bring up a good point, too, about uh, the plays at the plate because now that you mention it, that is something that I wanted to talk about. Why does he always try and tag the runner at the waist instead of, like, in front of the plate on the foot or hand or whatever's coming in first?
0: Yeah. That's I don't know. Yeah, it, it has been one of the things that he's been doing uh, that has been very annoying. And, uh, you know, it's it's showed up because those runs have scored. Um, so, yeah, definitely been noticeable. Um, and, and this was a position I think that going into this year, Keaton, we both felt pretty rock solid about, you know, we were talking about Christian Vasquez as a top 10 option at catcher, maybe even a top five option at catcher, uh, at at certain times. And it seems like the way that the ball has been playing this year, with a little bit less juice to it, uh, has certainly affected his game more than some others on this roster.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: All right, let's look over at first base. Um, This is where things get ugly. This has been one of the worst positions in all of baseball Um, for the Red Sox, you know, in particular first base. It's just been very ugly in terms of the war produced there. We know the struggles of Bobby Dahlbeck this season. Uh, Kyle Schwarber has just really started to play there very recently, and he hasn't gotten a ton of starts there. Um, Dahlbeck has been worth negative eight outs above average which is last place out of 37 qualified first basemen. And uh, I wanted to see where that would rank if we expanded it to just 50 attempts, uh, defensive attempts. And uh, if we do that, he's 48th out of 48. So still not very good. Um, so I guess my first question for you, Keaton, is since we've seen Bobby Dahlbeck um, improve him his play uh, at first base with the bat at least, um, is it worth continuing to run him out at first base every day, despite the fact that he's been god-awful at the position defensively?
1: Um, yeah, I think you do, because the bat is that hot. Um, I guess that means... Well, yeah, that's tough. I guess that would mean Schwarber in the outfield JD at DH. Yep. And so you're pulling off, or like platooning Renfro and Verdugo.
0: Which I kind of hate.
1: Yeah, I don't really like that either. Um, Man. I don't know. (laughs) What do you think?
0: (laughs) Yeah, so I was thinking about this, and I don't really buy into this mini-breakout from Bobby Dahlbeck. I think it's cool that he's hot right now. I think we've seen this from him in the minor leagues where he hit, he gets these toward stretches and then he's sort of back to the player uh, that he was. So I'm not sure that I'm, you know, taking this as, as the Bobby Dahlbeck breakout. Uh, it's nice to see, but for me, if you already have Bobby Dahlbeck playing uh terrible defense at first base, I'd rather Kyle Schwarber's bat play terrible defense at first base uh, than Dahlbeck's because I think that that's the neatest fit for the team. Um, you know, if if you have Schwarber at first, that allows you to play JD Martinez uh, at DH, and and as we're going to get to later, uh, JD is hitting extremely well as the DH. He's he's batting three hundred four. 366, 573, with a 147 WRC plus at DH. Uh, spoiler alert, he is not doing that when he's playing left field. So I really like the idea of Schwaber at first, J.D. Uh, in the DH spot. Um, you know, and, and just to kind of drive home the point with, with Bobby dalvec it's not just outs above average that hates him. Um, Fangraph's metrics, DEF, has him as... Negative 10.2, 20th out of 25, minimum 600 innings uh, at the position. So I think Bobby Dahlbeck ends up a bench piece for me.
1: Yeah, I think I'm with you on that.
0: It's kind of weird to say for a guy who's, you know, just won what? It was like, what did he win? Rookie of the month or something like that? Rookie of the, the week? Was it week or month? I can't remember.
1: I didn't even see that he had won anything, so.
0: Yeah, I think it was the month, but I think it was for, for August, but I don't know. Um, well, it getting was a really back, good
1: August. So I mean.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was a good August. So getting back to his breakout, though, Keaton, I mean, are, are you are you buying this as a true, you know, Dahlbeck's change something in his swing, or are you thinking that this is just a hot streak as well?
1: Yeah, I think it's just a hot streak. I mean, I think he's better than um, – what he produced over the first half the 219 average but i don't think he's significantly better um like he's been i think like 240 to 250 seems reasonable enough with a bunch of homers mm-hmm. um but is gonna be far better than that and he's gonna get on base significantly more yeah so yeah i think that's the play
0: okay all right, moving on to second base. This was a really interesting position to look at defensively. So for the majority of the year, it's been Kike Hernandez uh, and Christian Arroyo. Um, but Arroyo has been kind of off injured or off ill or, you know, all sorts of different reasons why he's not been able to be in the lineup. Um, but when he has been in the lineup, his defense has been much better um, than Kike's at second base. All right, the metrics say... Uh, Arroyo has been worth plus one outs above average. Kike uh, on the other side has been worth negative four outs above average. And in in uh, looking at DEF, uh, Arroyo has been worth uh, 3.0 DEF versus Kike 0.1. So Kike kind of uh, averaged there. But the big thing that... Uh, throws a wrench into this whole, yeah, just play Arroyo there, is Kike is hitting like an MVP uh, when he plays second base. So he's slashing 342, 438, 624 with a 183 WRC plus over 178 plate appearances at second base. Um, that's basically hitting like Juan Soto uh, at second base. And when Kike is in center field, he's hitting 220, 300, Three ninety six with an eighty seven WRC plus. He's basically Jackie Bradley Jr. with the bat when he's in center field. <laughs> um what the hell do you do in this situation?
1: Baseball's a hell of a sport, man. Yeah. I think you gotta move him to center field though, because their defense collectively is so bad that you gotta take the wins where you can and just hope that the bat catches up to where it is in other positions. Um <clears throat> and the, the clear option is Arroyo at second PK right. in center. And that's significantly better defensively. And I think um, center field is far more important than second defensively, I think. Yep. At least for this Red Sox team because center field is large and weird. And as we saw with Verdugo over the weekend, um, if you take the slightest of incorrect routes, you get absolutely torched. Right, and you gotta you gotta have the best fundamental defense you possibly can in center field.
0: Yeah, I mean, we saw that play from Verdugo that you just mentioned. You know, he loses the ball in the sun, drops the ball, and every run scores uh, in that situation. Um, you know, it doesn't matter for for sales earned run average, but it ended up mattering for the game. Um, so I'm I'm totally with you here. I need my center fielder to be locked down uh, with the defense. Do you think that this is truly something with like, you know, Kike finds it more difficult to play center field, therefore he focuses on it more, therefore he loses focus at the plate? Or do you think that a lot of this difference, because it's huge, uh, is statistical sort of noise that is kind of happening? Or has it been enough plate appearances of evidence to show you that like there really is something here uh, between Kike and Kike? in you know, being such a good hitter at second base and being such a poor hitter at at center field.
1: It feels like noise because how he's been doing at second base is far better than he has ever been at any point in his career. Um how he's doing in center is actually a little bit closer. Um but he's is a little bit better than that. I mean he's never been one to hit for a fantastic average. Like I think he's hit 230, 240, a few seasons, but he generally gets on base and gets you know close to like 20 homers, a couple steals in there. Um, I think we were excited to see how he would do with regular playing time just in general because yeah. that was not a role that he's had with his career. Uh, and I think overall it's been pretty good. And I think that with that being the case, you just got to look at uh, the team as a whole and the team is better with him in center field.
0: Yeah, I agree. I I tend to think it's more noise too, um, you know. And we have to give Arroyo some credit too. He he has sort of had a breakout year, yeah, offensively. Um, One hundred and nine WRC plus this year. Not amazing, but you know, certainly good enough for a good defensive second baseman, which is what he's been.
1: Yeah, he's also made a, some really nice plays. Uh, yeah, as well with that slightly above average defense too. So I feel confident with him being there.
0: Yeah, me too. Absolutely. I'm looking at the probably the safest positions in in the whole lineup. I mean, shortstop and uh, third base. We'll kind of take these together. Xander Bogarts, um, outs above average, hates him. Negative nine outs above average at shortstop. 57th out of 59 guys, uh, minimum of 50 attempts. Um, But Fangraphs. Defense rating tells a much different story. Uh, They have him as 6.0 defense, 14th out of 28. So basically mid-pack, minimum 600 innings. Um, My question for you, Keaton, is which one of these do your eyes tell you is true? The one that hates him or the one that has him as a mid-pack shortstop?
1: I mean, he's probably a mid-pack shortstop. I don't think he's that bad. I mean, I've tended to fall on... In being underrated defensively at shortstop because there is a ton of really freaking good shortstops that are really f- flashy i mean that's just not how Bogart plays the position but more often than not he gets to the ball and he makes the play right so yeah i think minus 11 outs above average is way worse than he feels <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't think he is anywhere close to, uh, you know, that that outs above average uh, rating that, that he has. I mean, he certainly doesn't look to me like a 57th out of 59 guys uh, yeah. at that position. Um, I think Remy puts it really well when he watches Xander Bogart's play, because he's commented on his defensive rating uh, a bunch of times, and he basically just says, you know, Xander makes the plays that he should make. Um He doesn't make the spectacular play. He's not going to do anything like, you know, Jose Iglesias did early in his career or Andrelton Simmons or, you know, any of these guys that make these jaw-dropping plays, but he makes kind of all the plays you're supposed to make. Um, So, yeah, I'm definitely with you. I think he's sort of a mid-pack guy there, but his back carries it for me. You know, looking forward, he's going to be entering his 30s fairly soon. Um, and the team has to make a decision. He has to make a decision because he can opt out uh, of his current deal after 2022. I assume he'll do so. You know, if you're the Red Sox and you're looking to resign him, are you looking to bring him back as a shortstop? Or do you think that he moves off the position?
1: Um, I think it depends on who else you have. Uh, to me, he's the best option to have in the organization right now at shortstop. Like I think, Downs uh is the second baseman. And I don't there's not really much behind him unless they absurdly fast track York. <laughs> I don't expect that to be the case. Um so if they go outside the organization and bring in somebody else. Um like we talked about Javi Baez at the trade deadline. Yeah, that probably makes sense to move Bogarts over. In right. that role, uh, but I think it t- it's, it would take an outside signing for him to move. Otherwise, I think he's the shortstop, and maybe that's maybe as they extend him, it's with the assumption that at some point he's moving off the position for somebody else. Um, but I think at least short term he's the guy because I I don't think they have a better option.
0: Yeah, I think what, Xander's what twenty eight years old right now, so. Yeah. Um, this is his age 28 season. Next year it'll be his age 29 season. uh, So he can opt out basically entering his age 30 season. I'm probably comfortable re-signing him and playing him at shortstop through like age 32, 33, something like that, because he definitely takes care of his body. He stays on the field. Um, But by that time, I think the hope would be that Marcelo, Meyer or Mayer, uh, is ready. The guy who they just picked, what fourth overall, uh, would be ready to take over that position at that point. And then Xander Bogarts becomes an above average third baseman. Um, and by that point, Rafael Devers is, you know, getting closer to age 30 as well. Um, so, you know, he's probably looking more like a, first baseman or a DH by that point so I, I think the problem kind of solves itself if you just keep Xander on the team
1: yeah I would agree four years seems like a pretty reasonable track too and I think that that timeline makes sense for me um, with Bogarts I feel like H32 is a good target for the shortstop position there as well so that's I like what you laid out there I dig it
0: all right, all right. Big Let's question look,
1: though. Uh, Devers playing first base for the Red Sox. I
0: would I would lean towards no, just because I think Costas is going to be really good there. Um, or, I think, well, that
1: just meant is he still on the Red Sox at that point?
0: Oh, oh geez, I hope so. Uh, I I, I want to pay that bat whatever it takes to uh, to be in that lineup for a very long time. So you know, I I hope that Devers does the. The old third base to uh, to DH move and just mashes like I, I hope he's just the new David Ortiz for you know his whole thirties. That'd be okay. nice.
1: That'd be great.
0: Yeah, I I don't think he'll be quite that good, but you know it'd be nice. Speaking of Rafael, though, uh, outs above average hates this man more than uh, it hates Xander Bogarts. Uh, it has him as negative eleven outs above average. Rated 61 of 61 uh, at the position, minimum 50 attempts. Um, He is not hated nearly as much by Fangraphs. He's rated as 2.0 DEF, 11th out of 20 guys, um, minimum 600 innings. Um, My impression of his defense is much more in line with Fangraphs. that has a mid middle of the pack here, just like they have Xander middle of the pack. Uh, I think he's fine at at third base. What have you thought of his play? I know we made a big deal about it early in the year in April when he was making a ton of errors, but he really hasn't seemed like a problem to me in a while.
1: No, And he's gotten significantly better. Um, he started off horrendously, but he's just every season he seems to just not hit the ground running. Um, which is fine. sometimes that's just the way players work. Like John Lester was like that forever. So I think we we tend to make too much of what happens in that first month because it's our first dip back into the season. But even last year and the year before when he started slow, he's turned it around and finished respectively defensively. Uh, And this year it seems like he's even taken a step forward, really, over the last, um, whatever that would be, three months, four months, since the, the horrendous start. And there's still some some moments where his footwork kind of gets over his shoes and lets the ball sail a bit, but it's a lot fewer and far in between than it was. And he has some – more often than not, he'll, he'll make a spectacular play that kind of just makes you go, wow, that guy like that should not be able to move like that. And it looks great. So – I'm fine where he is, and I think I fall much more in line with you and Fangraphs in that he's probably middle of the pack, um, and still, I feel, getting better at the position, um, so I, I think, but I think ultimately, I mean, like you just laid out, his track is either at first or DH anyway, so you probably don't have to sit on it for that much longer.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm totally there. Um and I think his arm makes up for a lot. And I do agree yeah. with you, though, that I have noticed that the footwork is getting better. He's making, it seems, fewer throwing errors as the year goes on, which were always the the errors that frustrated me because it was always, like, just not setting his feet or rushing the play or whatever. Um, and I'm definitely noticing that that's been a lot better. So, yeah, I, I'm totally fine with, with him there. And, you know... He's Xander Bogarts' shadow, and Xander knows how to take care of his body. You have to think that Rafael Devers is absorbing some of that, too. So if he can be Xander-esque at third base, um, that's totally cool by me. Yeah. Just that run-of-the-mill with dude that. With, with a big, big stick. Big stick. Oh, yeah. Alright, let's talk left field Uh, The most hallowed position In Red Sox history Uh, You know, Ted Williams Carl Yastrzemski Jim Rice, Manny Ramirez Uh, We've had some good ones Over there Um, And I'm definitely leaving out a few key names But right now
1: (laughs) Noted Red Sox great
0: That's not who I was thinking of Uh, But yes, I know you love yourself Some (laughs) J-Bebe Um, Left field for the Red Sox, though, this year has been mostly Alex Verdugo and J.D. Martinez. Um, Verdugo uh, defensively ranks 7th out of 25, uh, minimum 500 innings at left field with a DEF of negative 2.8. That negative number uh, is not nearly as bad as it sounds. Certain positions like first base and left field are considered less valuable defensively. Um, so anything close to like neutral there is actually a pretty good mark. Um, so that's why he's ranked all the way at seventh. Um, JD though, interestingly enough, he's only played 239 innings there. So, you know, you have to go down a little bit further to, to get an accurate reading for him, but you know, he's been worth 1.3 DEF at the position. He's actually surprised us this year, uh, with some pretty decent outfield play. Um, but the problem with J.D. is he's he's slashing 239, 297, uh, 367 with just a 71 WRC plus uh, while playing left field. Um, which one of these guys should be playing left field on a regular basis?
1: Verdugo. Martinez has looked nice. He's made some pretty nice plays, and he's even thrown some guys out as well. But I don't think that is really typical of his abilities at the position and like you you noted it's not a not a very large sample size but i think this is a case where i mean jd is going to be like 34 or just turned 34
0: yeah um and has back problems
1: and has very noted back problems yeah so yeah that i don't think is beneficial for him at the plate playing all those innings out in left field he needs to dh where he's much more comfortable and much more effective uh, and Verdugo playing left.
0: Yeah. I mean the marginal, uh, defensive upgrade from JD to Verdugo. And I'm not even sure that would play out as JD got closer to like that 500 inning mark that Verdugo has already gotten to. I think it would probably even out over that amount of time. Um, I don't think it's worth the, the downgrade in the bat that we're seeing from, from JD when he does play the field. Um, I totally, totally agree with you there. Um, I do think it is kind of interesting, though, that JD has looked so good going back on the ball. He's made a few catches, like kind of over his head or over his shoulder this year. And when I was looking at outs above average, too, because you can go all the way down to, to 50 attempts there, um, and they kind of show... The range, like whether going back on a ball, going to his left, going to his right, what he's been really good at. And JD has actually graded out above average for outfielders going back on the ball, which I find kind of fascinating.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, we've noted that the defense on this pod that has like kind of surprised us a bit, but because it's been surprising and maybe a little bit better than we remembered. Um, doesn't eliminate the fact that he really struggles with the plate and also has issues. So it's been nice while he's been out there. It's been cool. Good for fantasy, gain that outfield eligibility. But Red Sox' best lineup is with him at DH.
0: Yep, totally agree. All right, next position, uh, most important probably uh, defensive position outside of catcher, I'd say. Uh, center field, m- maybe even more important than catcher these days. Kike Hernandez, Alex Verdugo, and Jaron Duran have all gotten over 200 innings at that position. Um, They've all had very different values, though. Uh, According to Outs Above Average, Kike has been worth plus six outs above average, which is ranked sixth out of 62. in deF as well so I mean that's just a tremendous uh, ranking there he's actually right behind Jackie Bradley jr who's uh, fifth in deF um, so you know he's basically giving you jBj defense in center field uh, not quite as good but you know better better bat um, Duran has been worth zero outs above average uh, and has been worth and has been 45th out of 62 in deF. And Verdugo, negative three outs above average at the position, uh, 56th of 62. Um, this one seems like a no-brainer to me, Kike in center field. We kind of talked about that before. But, I mean, looking forward, Keaton, Duran's the guy we've been talking about as the center fielder of the future, He's still learning the position. I think we can agree. Verdugo in center field is ugly, so that's kind of ruled out. But yep. Kike is is under contract for next year. Duran is under you know team control for a long time. As is Verdugo. What do you do with the position moving forward?
1: Uh, I think Kike probably splits time next year as Duran still learns the position. Like I don't. I mean, Duran zero outs above average feels right. The 45th out of 62. I mean, both of them, I guess, could be small samples because it hasn't been a ton of time. But Yeah, just over 200 innings. I don't think he's been awful at the position. Like It's clear there are still some things for him to work on. Um, but at other times, he takes really great routes to the ball. He plays the uh, that deep monster, carom really well, gets the ball back in and holds guys to singles. So I think he's got the, the feel and the skills to be... You know, above average at the position. He's just maybe not quite there yet, which is understandable for him. So, I feel I still feel fine with him long term, unless you know we get an extended period here where he doesn't look all that great, uh, which probably means that he'll split time with Kike next year, and Kike will still be getting everyday at bats at like second base or kind um, of kind of similar to what's been going on this year. Um, yeah, but long term, I still feel fine with Duran at the position. I've kind
0: of gone back on this one. I I almost feel like I like Duran more as offseason trade bait now that his value has gone up so much that I kind of want just give it to Kike in center field next year. And I kind of feel like also it's pretty inexpensive to find elite center fielders. We saw what Jackie Bradley Jr. went for. You know, Kike, what he went for, I I don't want to give up on Jaron Duran, but I think that guys who have trouble with those initial reads don't always fix that issue. You know, it's not a matter of athleticism with Jaron Duran. I'm not sure he's ever going to be above average at making those initial reads off of the ball. Um, and if, you know, Jaron Duran could be a centerpiece to return you a really good starting pitcher, maybe that's the way to go. I don't know, am I crazy for for thinking that?
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Why? You're already trading him? I don't know. I mean, like, if you tell me that his value is is, is high enough that we can get something like a really good team-controlled pitcher, like, I'm thinking about it, man.
1: You haven't even seen him play.
0: You just got a little taste. You got to let him adjust. Okay, okay. Okay, so if someone calls you up and... They're like, hey, Keaton, we'll give you Herman uh, Marquez for Jaron Durant. What do you say?
1: Well, you're not getting team control out of Herman Marquez, so no.
0: But he's cheap. Is he? He's pretty cheap. Yeah, he's he's signed for like a multi-gear deal pretty cheap.
1: Oh, I thought he was a free agent like after next season.
0: No, I'm pretty sure he has like three more seasons after this one. Oh. Well, then maybe. That's the type of thing that I'm thinking about, though. You know, it's a starts to get interesting when you get floated an arm. I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure he gets there. But you sound a lot more confident than I am about Duran getting better at making those reads.
1: You're right. Marquez does have three more years, but he gets continually more expensive Mm. every year. Um, yeah, I mean, like, he's figured it out at every level. He's needed time to adjust. Like, he had a really bad first month at double A, right? <clears throat> and then was on absolute fire over this m- more than the second half. Uh, same thing, triple A didn't get off to the hottest start, but started figuring it out eventually by the time he got called up. We've also seen, um, like, talking to scouts that this year, because of the lost season of development in actual like, competitive baseball, like, the alternate site was good to an extent, but they weren't actually playing competitive games every day like they would normally have. And that's made the jump from AAA to the majors a much more significant gap than it usually is. I mean, it's, it's a large gap anyway, but it's been steeper. And we've right. seen a ton of prospects struggle, um, even as high as Jared Kelnick, who is, like, number one, number two prospect. Well, not Franco's number one, so like two, three
0: yeah. prospects. In, in the discussion, though.
1: Yeah. And so I think you just need to give him the time to adjust, and then he'll be an above average major, major leaguer. I still believe in that. Nothing that I've seen from this season and taking in the, the facts around where he's at in his age and development makes me feel significantly different than I did six months ago.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, let's move on to right field. Um, you know, outside of maybe third and short, this seems like a pretty solid position. Uh, Hunter Renfro has taken this job and really ran with it. And, uh, offensively, defensively, uh, everything has looked great, uh, from Hunter Renfro. I've really enjoyed the Hunter Renfro experience, um, He has ranked 11th out of 18 um, in DEF per 600 innings uh, minimum and 20th out of 40 uh, in outs above average. He's been worth zero outs above average, so basically uh, mid-pack there, Um, minimum 50 attempts. This one, I totally don't agree with the metrics on. Um, you know, watching him all year, almost every single game, you know, I tune into at least part of every game. I try to. Um, dude has a cannon arm, takes good routes, doesn't get tricked. Um, I cannot quite figure out why he's grading out so low. Do you have any ideas as to why that might be?
1: I do. Okay. Because right field at Fenway plays like a center field. Mm-hmm. So I think he gets dinged in his route running because there's a lot of things that go to right that he doesn't get to, mm. but that's not his fault. That's purely the dimensions of the right field. There's a lot of people that don't get to a lot of things out there in right field. It really just kind of emphasizes how freaking good Mookie Betts was at playing right field with Fenway Park.
0: Well, that's the thing. I was always thinking that uh, Fenway was overrating Mookie Betts in right field, but was it actually underrating Mookie Betts in right field? <laughs> It very,
1: very well may could have, (laughs) which is kind of wild to think, but yeah, yeah. very possible. I think that's the only thing I can think of because um, he doesn't take awful routes. He gets the balls. He makes plays, the cannon. I mean, he's, at one point he was leading the major leagues in outfield assists. I don't know if he still is or not. I think
0: he still is.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's, overall, to me, he's played in an above average right field, and that's just because it's. So absurdly difficult to play that position in Fenway Park. Uh, and he's done very well at it,
0: yeah. And I'm not saying that he is Jackie Bradley Jr. or anything like that, obviously, different positions, but he has that type of quality. Um, uh, where as soon as the ball is hit, you know, his initial read is almost always correct. It seems he's he's almost never fooled,
1: yeah. I mean, he has, um uh... 85 percent success rate in right field which seems pretty good uh it's actually slightly above where he has been in his career uh at right field playing with san diego and tampa so this would actually seem to suggest he's playing a slightly better right field in fenway park than he has in other places and maybe that's just because uh you know there's more focus at the difficult position um but I, I, yeah, I feel like the metrics are digging him just because of the dimensions of how it plays. Because um, the eye test, he's perfectly fine.
0: Yeah, it, it, another thing that I'm kind of curious about too is the fact that he has been playing right field uh, alongside kind of a revolving door at center field. You know, we've mentioned all the different guys who've played there: Verdugo and Duran. Um, Kike has obviously played amazing when he's been there, but. You know, I wonder how much he's had to cover for guys like Verdugo uh, and Duran when he is playing that position.
1: Mm, yeah, I mean, that could play into it, too.
0: Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Um, going forward, though, I mean, this is a guy, Hunter Renfro, that has some team control. He's got arbitration years left. Um Are you fully confident giving him right field moving forward for the Red Sox for, say, I don't know, next couple of years at least? Yeah. Me too. I like him.
1: I like him a lot. And he's having the best offensive year of his career, which is pretty nice.
0: Yeah, he seems to really like being a member of this team. So it seems to be a good fit all around. Uh, Hunter Renfro with the Red Sox. So if we look at it as a team, though, um, the overall Red Sox as a team rank exactly mid-pack in DEF per fangraphs, 15th out of 30, but Outs Above Average has them as the worst defensive team in baseball, 30th out of 30, negative 33 Outs Above Average as a team. Which of these do you believe, Keaton?
1: yeah um i think i believe the middle of the pack because i think it kind of goes back to what i mentioned at the beginning all of the mental mistakes that they're making make it seem worse but like them getting thrown out at home plate by 30 feet or forgetting how many outs there are don't actually count towards their defense that's just a compiles that with four errors in the game and you're like these guys are a bunch of idiots there's no way they're a good baseball team uh but then you look at the stats Like we just went position by position and the middle of the pack feels like it's more correct. Should be a lot better, but isn't.
0: Yeah. I'm willing to maybe push them down to like 20th of 30. Um, But 30 of 30 seems bananas to me. Um, Especially with some of the performances that we've noted from, from Kike and Renfro and the solid defense at short and third. And, you know, not a complete drop off and at catcher, definitely worse, but not a complete drop off. Arroyo's been fine. Yeah, they definitely play more mid pack to me. Maybe it's back at the mid pack, but it's definitely not 30 out of 30. Um, but let's talk about a beautiful scenario where the Red Sox have everybody back from COVID. Obviously, they can't make any major additions. They've been hunting that waiver wire, though. What is your optimal lineup for the Red Sox when everybody's healthy? Let's start at catcher. Vasky. Okay, me too. Uh, Who are you playing at first? Torber. Me too. Who are you playing at second? Arroyo. Me too. Who are you playing at short? Bogarts. Third? Devers. Okay, me too, me too. Left field? go, Same. Center field? Kike. And right field? Renfro. That's your optimal Red Sox lineup. Who's your yeah. DH? JD Martinez. Same. So that would leave us with a bench of Dahlbeck, Ploeki, probably Danny Santana, and Jonathan R.A.U.s, or uh, if you wanted to option R.A.U.s, I would say the Iglesias. first two.
1: The first two. Um, that you said plus Duran and Shaw,
0: Duran and Shaw. Okay, so no Iglesias on that team. No, I-, I need a backup middle infielder, so I would keep RAU's or um, yeah, Iglesias play <laughs> or Kike. Yeah, I don't and know. can play short, but we do agree on that optimal lineup. And you know how many times we've seen that lineup this year? None. Once. Wow, really? We actually no. Oh, wait.
1: We, did. we saw we saw Schwarber at first and Arroyo at second in the same yep. game once. Wow, I didn't think they overlapped. Yeah.
0: barely. Well, it cool. Was...
1: You know, we're only like 140 games into this thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing. So, I mean, it's it's getting more realistic though because now we have Verdugo back, or we have Verdugo. He never left. Kike's back. Renfro's back. Uh Devers is 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 there cuz he's never left. Xander should be back this week. Arroyo should be back soon. Schwarber is at first now. Um this lineup looks possible. This could be your lineup in the playoffs. And if it is, that's definitely a mid-pack defensive team. If not better. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Interesting stuff for sure. All right, let's get to our listener questions. Dynasty One Stop, the commissioner of one of our fantasy leagues. Thank you for this question. He says, why is Kyle Schwarber the greatest? And will the Red Sox extend slash resign him? And he gave us a nice Schwarber gif. Um, what do you think? Will they re-sign him or extend him? I would love for them
1: to, but I wonder if the free agent market prices him out of it because he's going to be a hot one. Uh, there's no way that he is mutually agreeing to $10 million because the open market is going to give him a lot more than that. So they're going to have to bid for him. I would love to see it happen, but I just don't know if it will.
0: Yeah, I want to see it happen really bad um, Just because I think his bat is pretty much perfect. I kind of think it depends on whether or not Judy Martinez decides to opt out of the last uh, year of his deal. Um, man, I'm tempted to, to just pay him, even though uh, JD might not opt out uh, of that deal just because I like the bat and the fit so much. And he clearly has been a fit for the clubhouse and, and been a leader and sort of a stabilizing presence there as well. Um I'm truly 50-50 on this one. I think they should re-sign him. Yeah,
1: I'm right there with you. 50-50, and I think and hope that they do.
0: Yeah, definitely. Even though it's think, not, like, the best fit, you know? Yeah. I mean, like
1: sense. you said, though, if JD opts out, then I think he makes too much sense.
0: Yeah, if, if JD opts out, i jump up to, like, 85%. Yep. Yeah. Uh, our next question comes from Zach. Uh Zoidberger. And he says, what player do you think steps up the most down the stretch here to get us into the playoffs? Xander Bogarts.
1: I think okay. he's been playing hurt, which is why we've seen the, the dip of him at the plate. I think this 10 days or however many days it is away um, as a blessing in disguise for him to get healthy and rest. Uh, We've seen him try and play through injuries before, and it doesn't go great. And I think when he comes back, he's going to be pretty damn annoyed. And he's going to put the team on his back and get him over the finish line in the playoffs.
0: All right. I love that. I love uh, motivated and pissed off Xander Bogarts, who was forced to actually take some time off to get healthy. Uh, So you're right. Maybe this is a little bit of a blessing in disguise for him. Um, I'm going to go with a guy who you definitely – do not expect me to go with uh, somebody who I have dogged time and time again in the past, Eduardo Rodriguez. I'm going to say that Eddie puts up a stretch that gets the man a payday uh, and is just lights out down the stretch uh, to, to propel the Red Sox into a playoff position.
1: Well, it's not off to a great start
0: well thanks keaton
1: yeah spoiler alert i assume you don't have the game in front of you
0: uh no i don't
1: yeah three and two thirds tagged for six
0: he's starting the run right after this one (laughs) (laughs) all right that's why i dog him all the time yep shame on me uh justin wolf has our next question um Actually, we kind of answered it. That was the one that I read earlier uh, about what the uh, lineup should be going forward. But Verdugo is definitely not a fourth outfielder. Um, Schwarber and left is ugly. Verdugo is a much better left fielder. Um, Bobby's probably the bench guy, man. I think we agree there. Um, Next question was really interesting, though. Claiborne Snowden uh, says, Tyler Motter will likely soon enter into obscure... Uh, Red Sox, uh, who are your favorite uh, obscure former Red Sox over the past 10 years? Uh, and Modder already has entered into the obscurity. Uh, he was just uh, DFA'd. Um, but uh, this was a cool question. So I went and I looked back and I kind of, uh, you know, sorted through the last 10 years and guys who have played games for this team. Um, first one that came to mind for me was Steve Pierce. Uh, only played 79 games for this team, but man, was that a memorable 79 games.
1: That is interesting. See, the the three that I had thought of uh, were all prior to 2010. Um, Jason Bay was actually one of them. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
1: Janichi Tozawa and Curtis Laskanek.
0: Oh, Laskanek, yeah. That's yeah. a good one.
1: Uh, how about um, Rosny Castillo?
0: Yeah, but, like, he did nothing, you what know? You
1: mean? He had his his debut. He hit, like, five homers at 275 over, like, 20 games. Yeah. Gave some people a lot of
0: hope. <laughs> what about uh, Daniel Nava? You're going way back, man. You're going too That's far back.
1: That's six years. Is it? Yes. Or seven years. Sorry, I forgot. It's 2021. Feels like
0: Nava was forever ago. It does. Um, but I mean, hard to
1: beat Grand Slam on your first pitch.
0: Yeah, I mean, Navas great. It's a great story. You want to No, no, he was bad for us. <laughs> for like Ninety-five WRC months. plus. Um, <laughs> what about like Alejandro De Aza? He was hot. He was hot for a little bit. One twenty-two WRC plus two ninety-two for the team.
1: Sure. I'll give it to you.
0: Um, you know who I thought of immediately, though? And I, I couldn't go with him because he played too many games. He played 174 games uh, for this team, which is just ahead of Michael Chavis over the last 10 years. But Mike Vilas I always liked.
1: Oh, yeah, that is a good one.
0: You know, like, he wasn't very good. He had an 80 WRC+. Plus. But I just liked Mike Avilas. Not sure why. About,
1: um, Drew Pomerantz.
0: That's a good one.
1: Or um, yeah, Melanson was in the past ten years, right? He was super bad, and then became the the best reliever in baseball. Soon as yeah,
0: left. yep,
1: that's a fun one.
0: Yeah, that's pretty good. It's a fun question. I could look at those types of things for a long time, uh, and I will probably end up down a wormhole thanks to that that question there. Uh, our next one comes from CH. Are the Red Sox going to make the postseason? Yay or nay?
1: God, I shouldn't be confident, but... Well, I guess I don't know if it's confident. I feel like 51% chance, so I'm going to go yes.
0: I don't know Why? I continue to be optimistic about this team. They've given me literally no reason to be, but um, yes, I will stupidly say yes and be wrong. So yes, they will make the playoffs. Yep, let's let's be stupid together, Keaton. All right, loves company. Yeah, there we go. Um, Well, that has been our show today. We hope you enjoyed this last hour of Red Sox talk. Uh, If you did, tune in, subscribe to our show if you haven't already. Uh, Tell all your friends and your enemies uh, about this show and how great it is. Um, And uh, check out the other shows on the network. You can find the Over the Monster podcast with Brian and Matt. You can find the Red Sox on Deck podcast with Bob and Shelly. And, of course, you can find Keaton's other podcast on this network, the Precap podcast, also with Shelly. Thanks for joining us. Keaton, thank you. And we will be with you again next week. Go Sox.